Always love being on here with y'all. Um, it's looking a little funky on my side. Oh, there we go. I think we're working. I think we're working. Everybody see me and hear me? Just need to do a little technical check there because uh, it's looking a little funky on my side, but I think I got it worked out. Hey, everybody. It's Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. That means it's time for another live stream from Dan. That's me, the friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com. All right, good. It's working. Got confirmation. Glad that's happening. <laughs> Nothing worse than sitting for a few minutes trying to fix technical difficulties at the beginning of the stream. That's just horrible. Um, yeah, horrible. <laughs> Speaking of which, that reminds me, if you haven't seen... Uh, Big City Betas has started a live stream and yeah, it's new. So there's a couple technical glitches at the beginning, but once that's done, it's really worth listening to. There's a lot of knowledge being dropped about betas, um, wild type betas as well as domestics on her channel. And what I like about Amber and when she live streams is she has strong opinions and she's not afraid to voice them. There's nothing wishy-washy about it. Um, you can agree with her or disagree with her, but she's going to Call it like she sees it, and it's just nice and refreshing. So I've been enjoying your live streams, Big City Bettas. Um, all right, so today we've got several things to do. Um, I'm going to start with an, a huge apology because I did a major screw up today accidentally that I'm going to apologize for. Um, and then I'm going to let you guys know about a couple new uh, functions that we have on getgills.com that I think are exciting. And then I'm going to talk about uh, what I got in this week and a big sale that I have going on right now at dancefish.com. So um, that's kind of what I'm going to sprinkle in as the night goes on. Um, but please, as we're going, please feel free to leave comments and questions. Talk among yourselves. If you have a comment or question for me, just a friendly reminder, please make it at start typing Dan's fish, let it populate, select it. It'll highlight for me and I can jump straight to it and just get to the questions and comments that are meant for me instead of having to, you know, search a, a stream, a huge feed of chat for the right comment or question, which gets boring. So the at symbol, no space, start, just put the at symbol, don't put in a space and start typing Dan's fish. You'll see it populate. Unless you're on a phone, like I can't do it on my phone. It only works on my desktop, but that's kind of the procedure. Like Reels Tanks did. Hey. Um, oh, he's just saying hi. Okay, well, hi. Hello. In fact, hello to everybody. I'm not going to go through the whole list. You all know who you are if you're here, but um, glad you're all here. Thanks for joining in. Always glad to geek out with other fish geeks. Um, so let me start with the apology. So we made a huge improvement to get gills. Um, we made a big improvement with how sellers can ship fish. I talked about this last week. And so I've been creating this uh, big mailing list for anyone that has a store on get gills. And I today created an email to let them all know about the update and kind of, you know, here's what it can do. Just inform them about what's going on. And I sent the email and I, I forgot, got the way I sent it, it, it revealed everyone's email to everyone else. So I didn't mean to do that. I just did it the wrong way. Um, and I didn't mean to violate anyone's privacy. I'm so sorry, but, um, the good news is it only went to other get gills folks who have stores. So it's a small population of like-minded people, but I mean, 
it was just that rock in the stomach as soon as I realized what I had done. So I'm really sorry. For a lot of you, I know it's no big deal, but there are people that that's really going to make upset. So um, to those people, I don't know what to do other than say, I'm so sorry. Um, I'll triple check next time to make sure I don't do that. But yes, your, your, I accidentally shared your email with the other people on that email. Um, just because I didn't BCC it. I totally skipped my mind. So that's the apology. It's kind of been bugging me all day, but uh, now I'm just going to let it go because I can sit there and stew about it and that won't do me any good or you guys any good or the stores on Get Gills whose emails I shared any good. So I'm sorry. Um, all right. John says, hey, Dan, the swords are doing great. Keep on doing what you're doing. Hey, John, I'm glad to hear it, especially those sword tales because I know how pricey they are. I mean, it, what, 45 bucks a pop or so for those nice cauliflower sword tails. I'm, I'm thrilled they're doing good. <laughs> and I think that mail that you got is pretty spectacular. Um, I think he's going to do a good job for you. I hope so. I hope so. He was the, the main one I was keeping back to breed myself, actually, John. So you got kind of lucky there. Um, I've made a decision, which is I, I'm changing some of my breeding tanks out um, just so I can keep more inventory in stock so I can have more variety at dancefish.com. Um, I'm, I'm just, I get a lot of requests for fish and I can't keep enough in to satisfy everyone. And so I'm going to still breed some species and stuff, but that's one that I decided that there were so many other people interested in breeding that one that, uh, that I, I figured I would, I would go ahead and let that one go. So uh, the good news is I got more of those in. So I'll talk more about that when I go into the uh, import report, if you, if you will. Um, so let me um, tell you all about, so you all know about the shipping update, I think. So now if you sell on Get Gills, you can have very flexible shipping. So I'm not going to go into that. But what I do want to show you is now you can put stuff for sale on getgills.com. So let me just show you that. So here's the login page. I'm gonna to go to my store here. Here's my stuff. And I've already done this because I'm doing a big sale right now to test this out. But let's say that, um, let's go for a really easy one. So these are uh, the clouded archer fish. They're normally 40 bucks, they're on sale for 30. And here's how you do that. You just go to edit your product Here's the normal price, 40. All you do is under here in the sale price, just enter the amount you want them to sell for, click update, and now they'll be on sale um, for that amount. So let's find them here real quick. I think those are under um, probably other. And yep, so normally 40 bucks on sale for 30. So anyone that has, oh, and of course I forgot to share that. I got to share this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just a moment. So let me do that again. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so here's my store. Go into my products, pick a product. I'm going to do the clouded archer fish because they're 40 bucks. So it's really easy to calculate 25% off. So go to edit the product. Here it is. The price is normally 40. If you want to put your item on sale, just put the amount you'd like to sell here in the sale price field and it'll automatically do it for you once you click update item details. Okay, so now if we go to get gills and go to other where the archer fish are, you can see that they're normally 40 bucks 
and now they're on sale for 30. There's a slash through the 40 so people know that that's the original price and this is the sale price. So we did that so that anyone that is on Get Gills that wants to put items for sale on there for sale can do it in like, you know, all you have to do is enter the price, click update and you're done. So pretty easy. Um, I know that um, Small Fry Aquatics was wanting to do a sale for some of the Super Red Plecos on there. And so Craig, um, part of this is for you, so you can do that if you want. So that's the latest update. Last, last several weeks, it's been working on making the shipping work well, which was a beast. Uh, and then now we're doing kind of the fun little stuff. Shipping was major functionality. Uh, now we're making it nice stuff, like putting stuff on sale, being able to, a seller being able to leave a note on the order, um, a buyer being able to leave a note on an order for the seller, um, things like that. So, so that's the update there. Um, let me get to some of the chat. I see a lot of highlights at Dan's Fish. So thanks for making your questions and comments at Dan's Fish so I can see them and get to them. So I'm going to get to that and then I'll get into uh, kind of what we got in this week and, and how it went. By the way, um, JH Aquatics, um, Joseph from the Virgin Islands is selling shrimp at Get Gills right now. And, uh, I think they're pretty cool looking shrimp. So go check those out as well. So let's see here. John said the swords are doing good. Awesome. Alex Aramini, how long will it take my two inch angelfish to get full grown? Um, so I assume you're talking two inch tip of the snout to end of the tail. Often when we talk about angelfish, we talk about body size instead. So uh, like dime, nickel, quarter, half dollar, silver dollar. Now, if you're outside of the United States, <laughs> that might not work for those listening from other countries. But um, if you're talking about tip of the nose to end of the tail, it's really hard, Alex, to pin down how long it'll take. Here's what it depends on. And there's basically, I'm going to say five things. The first two are obvious. The food, so the amount that they're fed, how frequently they're fed, and the quality of the food, if it's high quality, fed frequently and not too much fat and protein because we don't want to just power feed them. Uh, we want some fiber in there, right? But if you feed frequently a high quality food, they're going to grow quicker. The second one is also very obvious um, and that's water changes. If you keep the water really clean by doing water changes frequently, then they'll grow quicker too. So good food frequently, really clean water. If those two things are met, then Oh, I don't, I hate to put a time on it. I don't know exactly how long it'll take, but it won't take long. Like if you take a picture of the fish and then take a picture of the fish two weeks later, you'll see some real change if you do those things. A couple other things that play a part. One is temperature. Um, higher temperature increases the fish's metabolism. So it grows and develops quicker. And so it depends if you're keeping the fish in the mid seventies, it's not going to grow as fast as if you're keeping it at 84 degrees or so. So totally depends. Growth rate is, is, is affected in a large way by temperature. A couple other things are, one is stress. Is it in an environment where it's, it feels unstressed, nothing's picking on it. It's not scared. It's not up in a corner. It's not a busy part of the house where things bother it. Although with angelfish, they often learn to come out and just hang out and wait for food. You know, they aren't necessarily shy. But if a fish is not stressed, it'll grow a lot quicker. And then the last one is kind of in line with that. But that's just 
that's just health. Stress is a big part of health, but um, has the fish ever gone through a disease that it had to battle? It, it, it might take a while to recover from that. Is it totally parasite free? So there's no parasites draining energy from its ability to grow. So it just depends. And by the way, when I'm saying these things, I'm not recommending um, that it's like, okay, then I'm going to do super high temperatures, tons of food all the time with tons of water changes to power grow this thing. I'm not sure that power growing fish is always the best uh, thing to do. It, it might have detrimental effects long term. But Alex, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you an exact time because I don't know the exact time. There's too many variables. Even with my own fish, I couldn't be like, I, I don't keep track well enough to know, oh, okay, in another month, this will be at this size. But hopefully knowing those factors will help you at least optimize for whatever it is that you're trying to do. Um, Aqua Apprentice, hey! <clears throat> okay, Wichita is looking for some red lizard plecos. So if anybody knows where to get some of those, um, let him know. Um, Wichita, if you end up failing big time on that, those are on the list for me pretty much weekly. So if it's something you can't find locally or find that someone already has, I've been playing with the idea of bringing some in. I just have to bring a large group in. So um, that's why I've held off. But hopefully someone else already has someone can hook you up. But um, HC Aqua, what kind of pseudomugils did you get in? Okay, so let's talk about that. And you can't, we can't see your screen. I know. <laughs> I finally figured that one out, Jesse. <laughs> um, so let me go over the list. So the pseudomugils I got in are pseudomugil forcata. They're um, sometimes called the fork tail, sometimes called pom-pom. Um, let me show you. For those that might not know. I'm, I'm uh, trying to type quickly, and so I'm screwing myself up here. But here they are. They're one of my favorite pseudomugils just because they have a lot of color. Um, as they swim around, those tips of the fins just kind of glow. So this is the one I got in, and they look great. They're, it'll be uh, you know two weeks before they're ready to go, as per usual. But um, yeah, they look awesome. So that's the pseudomugils. Now, I also got in some other really cool stuff. I got another rainbow fish. It's the um, red striped rainbow fish, and it's wild. So I'm thrilled about that because being wild then I'm pretty darn sure it's not a hybrid, which is a problem with rainbow fish in the United States. And I've been trying to get this one in for, I think, a few months now. And it finally showed up. Just keep ordering and eventually it'll show up. That's the name of the game when you're doing what I'm doing, um, kind of the way I'm doing it. So got those in. I got a bunch of uh, what I ordered was a histogramma agazizii. What I got was a pistogramma, and I'm not quite sure what, so I'm going to have to get some experts to help me ID them. But got some apistos in. Got more of the cauliflower red-eyed red sword tails in, which are just stunning. I mean, about as pretty as a sword tail can get, I think. And then what else? Um, some longfin corridors paleotis, um, just because there's enough enough folks have asked me for them that I was like, well, I better get some for them. So got those. And what am I missing? Oh yeah. An awesome geophagus that I've been trying to get again for several months is geophagus wine Milleri. 
which let me show you guys this. This is fantastic. This is an absolutely, I bet, I bet Fish Guru Aquatics jaw just dropped. Um, am I right, Thomas? <laughs> Here they are. Let me share this with you. Um, this is Geophagus Wine Milleri. It's one of my favorite color schemes on a Geophagus with all the awesome personality that you usually get in a Geophagus. So I'm excited about them. I've been able to get them in the past from other suppliers. They've been available, but I've never done it because the price wasn't right. They, some, some suppliers just charge so much for fish that by the time I got them in, um, and it just doesn't make sense to get them because no one will be able to afford them because they, they're just charging so much for them. So I finally found some that um, were at a, a price that made sense. They're doing fantastic. In fact, this whole order health-wise has been great so far. They're all in quarantine right now, so it'll still be a couple weeks, but I'm, I have high hopes for this order for sure. Um, so HC Aqua, that's kind of the pseudomoogills and everything else I got in. Um, for those that don't know, there's a massive sale going on at Dan's Fish right now. I think everything except for three items, maybe four items, is 25% off. And there's over 40 items in the store. So there's a wide variety of fish on sale, 25% um, off or more. And I usually do this uh, about this time of year. I did it last year. It went really well. And what I kind of do is I kind of stock up. Uh, during the holiday season when everyone else is trying to get rid of stuff um, so that this time of year I have enough stuff to, to put on a good sale when everyone else is kind of running low on inventory or has to scramble to get their inventory back up. So it works well for, for business and, and gets you guys fish that are often not available this time of year just because of the end of year tax inventory issues that, that sellers go through. So um, JH Aquatics. You're not screen sharing, I, I know. <laughs> Everyone's telling me. Thanks for telling me. Um, yep. <laughs> Every now and then, I just need a mulligan. That was one of those times. <laughs> Andy Gironi, how long is the sale? It goes until February. So this isn't like, it's not like a used car salesman thing where it's like, we have a sale. And then three weeks later, we still have the sale. And then the sale ends and the next weekend, we have another sale. It's not that kind of thing. Um, this is kind of a once a year kind of thing. The only other time I do a large sale is sporadically, like if there's a massive order I want to get in and I just have to clear tank space to fit it. Sometimes I'll put things on sale, but not very often at all. Um, I feel like my prices for the quality of fish you guys get um, and for what I pay for them and then how much medicine and time and stuff I invest in them, I feel like the prices are already pretty good. So I don't, I don't normally need to do sales, honestly, to, uh, to move fish. But it's nice to do a sale every now and then because it's fun for me and fun for you and fun for everyone. Any killifish on sale? Why, yes, JH Aquatics, there are. Um, let me show you this. So here's the killifish for sale. If you go to get gills here, here's all the categories. If you click on killifish, there's several. Um, Golden Wonders, which I know you can find anywhere. Um, some neat lamp eyes. This is my favorite lamp eye. I love the Procatopus genus. Um, these are awesome, JH. Um, these are a very colorful, easy, hardy fish called Aphiosumian caliurum. 
And then um, some surface dwellers, Epiplates. Uh, not quite sure what the species is, so I'm calling them Achaio until I get a firm species on them. They're either um, Tongalensis or um, Gramari or Gram Gramii or um, another one which is escaping me right now. And then these are my favorite fish of all time. It's Fundalopanchax gardneri, a beautiful location, the P82 uh, strain. And they're just a stunning, super easy fish. Um, and I have a, a, a nice breeding pair of those available. So um, yeah. Oh, and there's a, I have a big group of, I have another big group of gardneri that I am forgetting to list on there. So I need to go back and do that. But yeah, JH, quite a few uh, killifish for sale. Um, some some really nice ones. Some really hard to find stuff. Those a lot of those lamp eyes. So you can find Norman's lamp eye, and that's about it, right? So um, some of those other ones are, are really really nice. Northern Frogger, my guppy's eyes now seem totally cleared. How long should I wait before adding her back to the main tank? Um, let's see here if. It depends on the situation, I guess. If you don't need the tank she's in for a different sick fish or for like some urgent need, I'd probably leave her in there for another week or so after she's all cleared up. Just because, you know, okay, I'm, I'm totally humanizing a fish right now. I don't know what fish feel or how they interpret the world around them and sense it. But when I'm sick, I'll finally feel better and it still takes me a few days before my energy levels back up and, my, I'm, and I feel fully recovered. I'm, I'm sure it's kind of the same thing for fish. So, you know, and, and also just because something looks clear doesn't mean that it's still not there in just to a lesser degree. So there could still be something there, but it's just not something we can see. So you might want to just give it, I, my recommendation would be about a week or so. Um, but I'm so glad Northern Frogger that that worked out. That's awesome. 54 Punchy, if you ever get in Sudamugil Mellis, I will be all over that. One of my big time wish fish. Okay, which one is Mellis? There are a lot of blue eyes. Let's take a look here and see what Candy's talking about. Okay, let me share this with y'all so you can see this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a beauty. Yep. I have seen that one before, but I've never, I mean, in pictures and stuff, I've never seen that one candy available. doesn't mean it's not available and it doesn't mean that it's just not un listed under a different kind of common name right now that I, that I don't know. Um, but I have never seen that one available, but if I do, I'll keep that in mind. Basically, anytime I see a Sudamugil, um, I, I generally try to get it because I love them. I always have. I'm a killifish guy and they're the closest thing to killifish in the kind of rainbow fish world. So, yep. Okay, Dr. S. Experimentis. Do you ever think sunfit hyphen variatus platys are a good fish to breed? Because when I first saw them, I was amazed by his color and stuff. Absolutely. They're not only good to breed, they're simple to breed. They're, they're, in my opinion, my experience, a simple, easy live bear to breed. So I guess, um, I guess it kind of depends on what you're trying to breed for, 
But if you're just, is this a fish that is simple to breed that I could do? Um, yes. And platys are very common, but they're also very colorful and they, they can probably sell well, um, even though they're pretty common just because they have amazing colors. So a lot of people like platys. So I would, I would say, Dr. S. Experimentus, that, yeah, go for it. Now, if you're asking, um, are they good fish to breed um, and sell back to my pet store? The answer might be no, unless you pre-negotiate a deal with your pet store, because A, the pet store might not want to buy them from you. B, they might want to buy them from you, but not be able to pay you something you want to pay because once they figure in their wholesale costs, you're like, what, that's all I get for them? No. Right. So it just depends on the purpose for it. But yeah, they're, they're a easy fish to raise and breed in my experience. Bathy fill up 25% off. Maybe I need to order those lamp eyes. Yeah. Come on over um, until February. It's not going to last forever. And it, it's not going to like recur the next week or anything like that. But where I think this really helps is, there's several of the species that I sell are pretty darn expensive. Uh, some of them are 50 bucks each for like the highway catfish, just because it's so rare, so pricey and so difficult to get. But like the clouded archer fish, normally 40 bucks. Well, 25% off, it's 30 bucks. Maybe someone that was wanting to get one but couldn't quite swing it can now swing it. So that's, that's kind of the hope for the sale. JH Aquatics, I just ordered the gardener eye. All right, cool, cool. That's awesome. I think you're going to love them. Koi Dragon Aquatics. Can you do a pair of your Ogun killifish in a five gallon long term? Absolutely. Killifish are often bred in containers that are a lot less than five gallons. I don't usually do it. My preferred breeding size is a five gallon tank. So they absolutely can as long as it's kept pretty stable. So is it well established? Is it been up for a while? Um, it doesn't have to have plants, but if you have plants thriving in there, it sure helps balance it. So, but yes, I, um, I keep, I've kept breeding pairs of killifish long-term in two and a half and five and a half gallon aquariums for years with no problem. And they're not a fish that is like a big rapid swimmer or anything. They don't mind that at all. And it's still enough space to get plenty of exercise. I've never seen them get like overly obese or any of those problems like that. So I think so. I think that's just fine. In fact, most killifish would be like envious to have a five gallon aquarium. They're often kept in smaller things than that. Um, 54 Punchy. I, oh, did I call you candy? <laughs> I don't know. It's all blue to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pam. <laughs> yep. Well, every week I got to offend someone or like screw up somehow. Last week it was Lumpy Dog. He's like in the chat the whole time and like an hour into the chat, I'm like, where's Lumpy Dog? <laughs> I haven't seen him around. He's like been in there for an hour. <laughs> I guess it's your week, Pam. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. Bob called you PMA, so. <laughs> Not so bad. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So um, 
I, I wanted to share with you guys some information I got about peacock gudgeons. So most of the literature out there talks about the fry needing, you know, being that migratory thing where they start in freshwater and then the fry move down to saltwater to develop like nerite snails or some of the stiffodon gobies and stuff or salmon and then uh, come back up as adults. Um, so that made it seem like it'd be really difficult to breed them. But there were also some sightings that, that some documentation of folks that had bred them in fresh water and raised them in fresh water. So um, I was curious about that. And there's a, a true expert on um, rainbow fish and Australian fish. His name's Peter Unmack. I believe I'm saying the last name right. I, I, I might've just butchered it. At least I didn't call him Candy. Um, but, um, and he has confirmed, um, that there are landlocked populations of peacock gudgeons. So they're breeding in lakes and other, other things like that, that are not saltwater. So it might just be possible to raise them in freshwater. It seems that, um, they're a little more difficult or quite a bit more difficult than your average fish to raise because the fry are so small, like two millimeters and don't have jaws that function in a way that uh, your normal fish fry do in freshwater. So they're more like a platonic type thing. So like an ocean fish fry that just swims around with basically this opening and engulfs stuff, um, not, not working jaws like we're used to. So I might, uh, again, I, I uh, the hobbyist in me vying with the businessman in me, it's this never ending battle. But um, if I, I think it is possible probably to try breeding them and raising them in fresh water. And so I might be able to raise a batch of my 20 gallon long tanks that are just choked with infusoria and stuff. So if I spawn them and then move them in there as soon as they were free swimming, I, I'm hopeful that that could work. So I'm kind of excited to try that if, if I, if that's in the cards. But for those that are um, interested in that fish and, and interested in breeding it, according to Peter, again, a well-respected expert, and I believe I, I'd have to look it up, but I think he's described many angelfish or angelfish. Geez, there I go again. Let's call it candy. Uh, many rainbow fish species and stuff. Um, according to him, there, there's many populations that are landlocked and that the fry don't ever get to saltwater. So that was cool to hear. Um, TM Aquatics. Oh, did I call them peacocks? See, I'm doing it all over. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about empire gudgeons, not peacock gudgeons. Jeez. Yeah. Peacock gudgeons are easy to breed and raise in freshwater. We all know that. So thanks, TM. Empire gudgeons. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, I think I need the, to like, to like reset and calm down and, and, uh, Maybe I'll say something right. <laughs> Dubrex, my special package order of Australian. Oh, good. The um, So these are the Australian glassfish arrived. Glassfish doing my best to get together some video footage. Thank you. Oh, Dub, I'm looking forward to that. I, that's great. That's great. That's, that's a fish we're probably never going to see in the United States, unfortunately, because... Australia has such a strict export ban. It's almost impossible to get fish out of Australia. Every now and then someone will go and they'll, I'm not condoning this by the way, but 
um, they'll smuggle some eggs or some rainbows out or something. Or every now and then someone will, you know, an educational institution or a zoo or an aquarium might be able to get something. You know, I'm not sure about that, but there's a lot of fish you guys have that are just amazing that unfortunately we'll probably never have. So that's really cool that you got that. Um, so I wanted to also talk about uh, the croaking gouramis that I have. Um, I've, a few people have asked me if they've sold out. They didn't sell out. <clears throat> I list, they went through quarantine. They've been great. Everything looking fine. And then I listed them. Great. And then um, I noticed last week, late last week, early this week, just something a little off about a couple of them. And I, I think there's like 200 of them. So it wasn't like most of them were doing this. Just a couple of them were just acting a little strange. And looked to me like they might be developing kind of a little bit of white on their saddle, kind of their, across their shoulder region. And so in my experience in the past, that can be a symptom of a bacterial infection. So I don't know for sure if that is what's going on. Uh, it's not even like, if that is what it is, it's not even like dense enough to see it real clearly or anything like that. But I took them off of, uh, I pulled them down so that if there was a problem, that I wouldn't sell them with a problem. So for those that are wondering about the croaking grommies and um, wondering where they went, that's what's going on. I still have a couple hundred of them. I'm just, I'm just keeping a close eye on them to make sure that there's nothing going on. And if there is something going on, then I'm going to have to take the time to uh, treat them. And in it could often in that situation, if that's, if that develops into like this, uh, white saddle and starts coating the fish, that could be a few things, but that's often called, uh, columnaris bacteria, flexibacter, which, um, I don't want to pass on to anybody. So I would take some real time to treat that. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm just watching to see if something's developing, something's a brewing in there and, if not, um, if at the end of the week, it's like, oh, no, everything's clear. It was just the fish was in a weird mood, so it changed color um, or was feeling subdominant or something like that, then I'll, I'll list them for sale again. But if if I see anything developing, then I'm going to have to treat. And by the way, for um, columnaris, um, canamycin and nitrofurazone is the cocktail. Works pretty well with salt. So... It's just a matter of time if, if something is going on before I can treat them and get them back up. For So that's the update on those for those that have been wondering, uh, did they sell out? Where'd they go? Nope, haven't sold any of them. Thankfully, I caught it before I sold them. Um, and by the way, that's just the nature of this thing. It's, it's not like we're selling wrenches and I can expect it and then put the wrench on the shelf and three years from now, if someone buys a wrench, pick it up and sell it and know that it's good. Um, living things, there's so many variables and I can quarantine and treat them, you know, with all the love and care in the world. Um, and they can look fine one day and then the next day there can be something wrong. It's just, it's just the nature of things. So hopefully there is nothing wrong, but it's always, uh, <laughs> no matter, no matter how much care you take, there's always an element of chance to all this. So, yep. Dubrex says, Dan's white angelfish looking good, looking on fire. So 
I uh, added some new folks to this aquarium, which is the title of this stream. So I suppose we should touch on that. <laughs> I think it's about time. It's 37 minutes in. Maybe we should get to that. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, Lumpy Double Dog, I'll get to your comment in just a second. Or should I call you Candy, Lumpy Dog? Um, calling everyone else Candy. Might as well call you Candy. So these are, for those of you that follow my channel, um, a while back, I got some angelfish in that had some white spots on them, um, which might have been ick, might have been something else. And so it took a while to treat them. And then I waited several weeks um, just to make sure there wasn't a reoccurrence of anything. And so they've been fine for a long, long time. So I finally was like, okay, they're ready. And I put them in the show tank. They're, they're redhead koi. It's not showing up real well. I wonder if I play with some lights. Hang on. Let me see if I click a light here. If they'll show up better. Um, or is that just a ton worse? I don't know. Does that, is that better? Yeah, you can kind of see the red and the orange a little bit better on there with less light, I think. But they're redhead koi. They're white and black with some nice orange on them. I wouldn't call the orange red. If you look real close, there are some little flecks of maybe a true red on some of them. But in this trade, any fish that has some orange or even yellow on it, sometimes people call red. So, But they're pretty cool fish. So... Uh, they finally passed muster. I put them in this tank. If uh, if the change of aquariums, if they handle that well, it's only been a few days and are still healthy after a week or two, then I'll list them for sale. But I'm taking my time with them just because they came in super rough. Ammonia burn all over. Um, ick. There's, there's like many, many different disease organisms that can cause white spots on a fish. So um, I called it ick, even though it didn't look like traditional ick. It was a smaller uh, kind of dot, um, mostly on the fins, than you would see in traditional ick. So, but um, yeah, they're they're looking pretty good now. So I'm proud of them for recovering, and just this, you know, it's a slow, steady process. Just clean water, good food. Um, some medicine at first, but then just giving them time to recover and they're doing pretty good. So on, on my end, I think that looks better with that light off. Does that look better for you guys? Does that tank, uh, can you see the fish better since it's not so bright that it washes them out? Maybe let me know. Let me dog doesn't call them nearest usually spread fast. Yeah. Um, it can. So there's three real, real common bacteria that cause disease in fish. And I'm going to put a caveat on here that I'm a hobbyist. I'm not a veterinarian. Um, I did work at an animal hospital for five, six years. So I've got the basics of some things, but I, it's not what I went to college for or anything like that. So um, this is just from reading and from experience and stuff like that. A vet could come on and be like, nope, that's not true at all. And I'd be like, you are probably, I, I believe you. But Strepococcus, um, columnaris, and eremonis are the three bacteria that I live in mortal fear of. And there's a couple parasites. The main one is velvet that I live in fear of. And it's not because they're untreatable. They're actually very treatable. It's because 
if you don't catch them early, then it can be a real quick turnaround to just wiping the whole tank out. So, and fish are so funny. They, they're asymptomatic. So they, when they're feeling, when they're sick, they don't show symptoms until they absolutely can't help but show symptoms. Because in the wild, if you show symptoms, you're, you're the first to get eaten, right? The pack of uh, peacock bass or whatever, uh, take you out first. So they don't show any signs until they absolutely are broken down to the point where they can't help but show signs. And at that point, often things are pretty progressed pretty far along. So um, columnaris and eremonis are gram negative bacteria, streptococcus, which I might be saying wrong, um, strep basically, are is gram positive from what I understand. So the the two that you encounter most commonly in the aquarium hobby are, especially with new fish coming in, are columnaris and eremonis. Now, columnaris and eremonis exist naturally in your aquarium. They're probably there right now. They're, they're a ubiquitous bacteria. They're just everywhere. They usually don't, they're, they're kind of uh, opportunistic though. When a fish is weak, then they can kind of overcome its immune system and you have an outbreak. So it's not like, it's, it's like ick. It's pretty much there. It just usually doesn't break out unless there's a stress factor that allows it to get a, a, a foothold, right? So, um, so columnaris, it's kind of always there. So it's not necessarily that it's introduced and suddenly it just grabs everything and takes over. But if a fish is ill and the infection sets in and it gets a foothold and can multiply to massive numbers, then it can be a really quick infection process to any fish that is feeling weak or stressed in that aquarium. So um, that's my take on it, Lumpy Dog. But yeah, I've I've seen in the past columnaris wipe out an aquarium. Uh, just fish just start dropping several a day as it starts taking hold. That's not happening here with the garamis. Um, but I checked them again and I am a little concerned because it's not just um, the color difference, it's kind of, you know how a fish, a sick fish kind of starts, I don't know, its body shape almost changes a little bit. Its fin carriage changes a little bit. There's a little bit of that going on. So I might just uh, remove them to a hospital tank and start treating them. Luckily, columnaris and eremonis are both fairly treatable. Um, again, canamycin and uh, nitrofurazone, I use furin 2 from API. Those, um, treated together every 48 hours and keep the salt concentration up in the aquarium for osmotic uh, uh, ease of osmotic regulation on the fish and treat them seven to 10 days. And as long as the disease isn't far progressed, um, I've had them snap right out of it. So it's treatable, but you do have to catch it early because yes, it does spread fast once it gets that foothold. But again, it's always in the aquarium. It's, it's, it's around usually. Uh, Real Tank says blushing angels. Uh, nope, nope, good guess though. Uh, they're, they're koi angels. And they were sold to me as redhead koi. I'm just gonna sell them as koi angels though because I don't wanna sell something as redhead koi without really having bright red on it. It's, it might be the industry standard, but I feel weird about it. Um, Real Tanks, Frynado is doing great. Frynado, oh yeah, so 
all your platinum angelfish babies. That's awesome, Real. I'm glad they're growing up for you. <laughs> I'm so glad that happened for you. Because uh, didn't didn't like it. It like took four or five times, right? If I remember right, they ate the spawn like four times. And then now fourth or fifth time, um, they finally get the hang of it. So that's awesome. That's what a payoff. Ah, all right. So what's everyone else breeding? What you got going on in your fish rooms? What are, what are you excited about? Um, it's been a few streams since we've kind of checked in and seen where everyone's uh, breeding projects are at. So if you bred something or have fry growing up or whatever, um, I would love to hear about it. That's something that I enjoy talking about. Let me dog. I wonder if some old school treatments such as raising tempests and adding salt don't do more damage than good by adding stress to the fish in the tank. Um, I think temps definitely can. I don't think salt stresses fish out at all. Um, I mean, I guess it could if you put in an absolute ton, but um, from what I've seen, I think salt is not a stressor to the fish. I could be wrong, but that's just, that's my anecdotal <laughs> take it or leave it not worth much observation. But I do know, I communicate uh, with, I know a few fish vets and I follow others and read their stuff and all that. And they're pretty much in, I've never seen a fish vet not agree with the statement that increasing the salinity um, will help actually remove stress from the fish and give it the energy it needs to, uh, more energy to help fight off whatever it's fighting. Just because it takes that, the fish is fighting so hard day to day to keep its osmotic, uh, to reach, is it called homeostasis? Um, to, to keep its osmotic uh, salt, its salt contact correct, right? To not lose, to not have its salt content diluted by fresh water flowing in. So, um, they fight so hard to do that and take so much energy that adding a little salt usually I think de-stresses, but with temperature lumpy dog, I'm, I'm right on board with that. And I do, I, you know, if, if you're adding salt and then it's diluted and then you add salt again, and then it's diluted when you do a water change and then you add it again, actually I could see in a case like that, where that yo-yo of salinity, that could be an issue. Yeah. So that points will take him. but I think a lot of times we do more harm than good when we do things kind of uh, just sporadically, I guess. Yep. Slippery Fish Aquatics, what should I be feeding my angelfish fry and when to feed them? I think the easiest thing is baby brine shrimp. Start feeding them. And by the way, congrats, Matt. Uh, another person that uh, his been trying to get the angelfish working and, and finally cracked it and has a bunch of wrigglers. So wait till they're free swimming. So right now they're kind of attached and they're just wiggling around, but when they're swimming and not like laying on the bottom and darting around, but actually free swimming and are buoyant and can go up and down wherever they want. That's when you start feeding them. The easiest thing is probably baby brine shrimp. Um, if you don't have the ability to do that or whatever, Microworms can work, but baby brine shrimp, in my experience, is just kind of the best, easiest thing. The way I run a fish room anyway, because I just, I always have it around. But they really like it. There's something about 
the the kind of bounciness of a brine shrimp is it works its way through the water that just baby fish are so attracted to. So that would be my recommendation, uh, Matt, if you can do that. TM Aquatics. Oh yes, the L134 leopard leopard pleco. Uh, sorry, leopard frog plecos. The adults all wild caught three spawns in the past two weeks. That's good. That's going to pay for a little fish food there, Tom. Um, that's awesome. I am glad to hear that. Bathy Filler. I've had my first fish breed. Like your first ever? That's awesome. Um, there's one fry in the floating plants in their aquarium. Now to get to mass production. <laughs> cool. Uh, what species was that, Bathy Filler? In fact, if I'm remembering right, I think I do remember something about that in another live stream. But what species is that? Um, Kaylee's Aquatics. Thanks, Bob. $20 super chat. Thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate that. Have to save some fish sale money too. Yep. Thanks for the stream and all you do for us, Dan. Well, thank you, Bob, as always. Um, always appreciate having you here. The super chats, always appreciated. Never required, but everything helps, right? And uh, thanks for being a good customer, a good mod, and just a good member of the community, Bob. We're all glad to have you around. For those that don't follow Bob's channel, um, if you ever want a random live stream and to see his stuff um, and see him unboxing stuff, get a tour of his tanks, uh, he's got it going on. So he live streams frequently and his tanks are really cool. I mean, they're full of beautiful, healthy fish. And now he's got some salt going on, a dog face pupper, pupper. It's a pupper, puffer. So uh, check out his channel, Kaylor Aquatics, if you haven't yet. Okay. Oh, they were the Limia Tridents. Cool. All right. That's great. Nice thing about those is the fry are big enough that they'll often just eat, you know, crushed up flake and crushed up pellets and stuff as you feed the adults. If you can squirt some brine shrimp and stuff in there too, they, they, they will love it, but... Yeah, they're, they're pretty easy to raise usually. So I hope they do well for you. I hope you get a bunch. Reels says, now the angels take great care of the fry. My neon blue Acaras are trying to spawn. All right, good. Good, good. Well, yeah, they finally figured out their marriage. They're done with counseling and now they're off to raising the uh, fry. That's good to hear. <laughs> Glad they worked it out. It's good news. Bathyphila, yep, first fish offspring ever. So, isn't that cool? Like, I remember that when I was a kid, but it's been a long time. So, Bathyphila, if you can describe in three words what that was like when you saw your first uh, fish fry, since it's so recent, I would love it if you'd put that down. Three words. Dun, dun, dun. Whatever it was. Uh, I don't know if you want to play that game, but I don't know. I think that would be fun. <laughs> Don Gallagher, platy fry aplenty. Yep. Uh, any specific kind of breed or color variety that you're breeding? What, what kind of platies are they? I'm glad to hear it. So that answers the question too about the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot who it was, but the person who was asking about would hyphen variatus platies be good to breed? Um, I know they will breed for sure. I've got a, what I call my favorite platies in the world here and they're they're doing great there's fry all the time so platies are hard to stop breeding i i would say have some plants or other cover for them and they'll just go nuts 
Cool. Well, glad to hear that uh, people's breeding projects are going well. Mr. Beast Fishing thinks you're killing me, Smalls. What did I miss? What did I miss? Y'all done hurt Bob's feelings? <laughs> Who's picking on Bob? <laughs> Pupper sounds delightful. Yeah, it's like it's like one of the chihuahuas lives in the tank now, right? Hey, Mob Guppy. Glad you made it. Good to see you. <laughs> All right, we've reached, reached the bottom of the chat. So this is the time in the evening where I say... Um, We'll be wrapping it up in a few minutes, but if you have a question or a comment that you would like to get noticed and get responded to tonight, now's the time to leave it. If you make it at Dan's Fish, so type the at symbol, um, no space, Dan's Fish, you'll see it populate, select it, and it'll get right to me. Just a reminder, um, there is a 25% off sale right now at dancefish.com. Everything except for like three items is 25% off, and there's many, many items to choose from, so... Uh, if you're in the market for some fish, I've got a lot. Some are really common, some are really inexpensive, and there's others that are super rare. And the price range ranges from a couple few bucks to on up to like 50 bucks per fish, just depending. So there's something for everyone, hopefully. And hopefully that sale will um, help offset kind of the cost of shipping. In the winter, I know it costs more just because, you know, you want to get fish places quickly in the winter since if they're delayed and they get cold, it can be a problem. So check that out if you're interested. Otter Creek Aquatics, what do you feed your Corydoras fry? So it's a mix. I'll feed them microworms. The microworms sink to the bottom, which is great for Cory fry because that's where they are. I will feed them baby brine shrimp. Um, at first, the baby brine shrimp might kind of be in the middle of the water column and up at the top, but even if they are, in a little while, they kind of get tired and sink to the bottom and start scooting around the bottom and then the quarries can get them. And I also start feeding rapashi, not like the powder like you might do for some small egg layers and sprinkle over the top, not like that, but just normal old like community blend rapashi is what I use. You could use many kinds, but that's what I have the most of. So that's what I use. Uh, make rapashi and I'll take just a little bit of that kind of break it up in my fingers, not like dissolve it, but just try to make it so it's not so solid. Like there's little, a bunch of little edges on the ball of rapashi that are exposed. So it's easier for the little fish to get to it. And I'll drop that in there from the time they start feeding. Um, and that's the mix. So there's always live food. And then I'll put the rapashi in as well. And they'll pretty quickly learn to eat the rapashi. And what that does is makes it a cinch to keep food in front of them all day long. Like if you work during the day, then in the morning, you can feed, I don't know, baby brine shrimp or microworms. And then before you go to work, you can drop in a chunk of rapashi and they can just chew on that until you get back from work in the evening. So they aren't going, you know, all day long without food. And that's the trick with fry. How do you keep food in front of them and keep the water clean? That's, that's kind of the whole thing. So Otter Creek, I hope that helps, but between those three things, you should be good. If you only have microworms, you'll probably be fine. If you only have brine shrimp, you'll probably be fine. But having that rapashi um, in there to kind of tide them over really helps with growth rate and makes the attrition rate a lot less in my experience once they learn to eat it. And of course, at the end of the day, like take it out before it like disintegrates or kind of loses its form and kind of 
Um, for those that are familiar with Rupashi, you'll know what I'm talking about, but you put it in and it stays a long time, but eventually it kind of um, loses its shape and kind of sloughs down to the bottom of the tank. So you want to take it out at that point or before that point so it doesn't foul the tank water or the container, whatever you're raising them, the water there. So, yep. Bathyphila, I can't do three words, okay. But my thought was, wow, you survived with 27 other fish in a quarantine tank. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. Thanks for playing, Bathyphila. That'll, that'll work. <laughs> JH Aquatics, what is up with the other group of garden ride that you do not have listed yet? Um, it's, I'm going to put it up right when the stream's done. I must have, when I was putting stuff on sale, I must have just accidentally clicked the wrong button and, and deactivated it. But I'll put it up as soon as I'm done, JH. Um, I do have that other group of garden right for sale. And when I just went earlier in the stream and looked, I noticed they weren't up there. So I'll put them up. Yeah, sorry about that. I just clicked a button. Bathyphila, maybe I missed out, but are the... For six these, it's hard to say, um, Flava Pinnis, you have on Get Gills the same fish that used to be listed as Congo Panjax Myers Eye. Yes, yes they are. Um, so there's two identifications that, let me show you guys this, that have changed. A lot of these little lamp eyes um, are very difficult to tell from each other. And sometimes they come in so small that it's really hard to tell. So I have to rely on what the exporter tells me they are until I can kind of get a pure identification. And I actually really thought that those were Meyer's eye until recently. And they kind of got elongated and started looking different. And then someone, um, I shared some pictures and videos and someone was like, that looks a whole lot like for these, however you say that Flava Pinnis. And I was like, a bell went off in my head and I was like, you know what? That's exactly what they are. Um, so let me show you this. So there's two updates, and I put these on the videos on the YouTube channel as well um, for fish identification here. This is one. Um, I thought this was Similis. It turns out it's a Barron's, and that comes from that ID comes from um, someone whose opinion I trust, and he's a recognized expert on fish identification. Um, and is very active in the Killy hobby identifying fish. And I, I'd have to look in. I, I, I don't know if he like works for a university or what. I'd have to dig in. But I know that in the AKA, he's often, when he says it's something, everyone's like, yep, that's what it is. Um, um, so his joke is his name. And I'm probably saying that way wrong. But he looked at it and he's like, well, those are actually aberrants, which is a similar species to um, Similis, and you would never know the difference unless you were like counting fin rays or looking at very slight placement of fins and things like that. So I trust him. Um, so I changed the ID to a Barron's. And so that's what we think that fish is. And then the other one that changed is this one. They came in as a Poropanchex Myers eye and they're so small and so are Meyer's eye that I was like, yep. And then they kind of grew up and I got another idea on them. It looks like they are, in fact, uh, for six, these Flava Pinnis. So the care is the same. The, um, oh, I didn't share that. I'm sorry. Here we go. I did it again. Um, here it is. Um, 
So these ones were what, um, in the video still said, I updated the description to say that they are, um, four flat, <laughs> four sixties. That's hard to say flavopinus. Um, but, but the, I didn't change the content in the video just cause you can't do that and you lose the entire video, um, on YouTube. So, but yeah, the descriptions have been updated in the, on get gills for those. And, um, on the YouTube channel for those. And thank you for bringing that up because I meant to bring that up because I know that 54 Punchy, um, for one, um, I sent her some of those fish and um, need to bring up that that ID, we have a new ID on those, so, yep. And by the way, when you're importing fish, this is just an issue. It's, uh, that's why those epiplates um, I'm not confident we know exactly what those are yet. So I haven't even listed them as a specific species. I was pretty confident about the Myers eye and the Similis, but turns out I was wrong. So, um, that's what the exporter said they were. I was like, yep, that's what they look like, but nope. <laughs> Priscilla says, have you seen lumpy dog? <laughs> of course, but I'm going to call him candy because I'm calling everyone candy. <laughs> <laughs> tonight. <laughs> hey, Lumpy Dog. Good to see you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Fuzzy for Punchy. Did you see Lumpy Dog in the chat tonight, Dan? I, I did. I did. I think I mentioned him a little earlier. Um, anyway, thanks to the thanks to the mods, by the way, while we're on that. Thanks, uh, Bob and 54 Punchy and Lumpy Dog. And if Candy made it, thanks, Candy. All you guys, we I really appreciate you modding. Um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Everyone's on the lumpy dog train. <laughs> 54 Bungie. Candy wants to know. <laughs> I like it. That seems that seems like a good uh, note to end the stream on. So thanks everybody. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for everyone that super chatted 54 Punchy and, and Kaylee's Aquatics. Um, oh, by the way, um, 54 Punchy is, is doing some live streaming and videos and stuff. So if you haven't checked her stuff out, I love her stuff because it's like long form live streams. So I can put it on um, and just be working in the fish room and enjoy it long term. So it's the short little videos where you turn them on and then you go work in the tanks and a couple minutes later it's done. So you have to come back and your hands are all wet and uh, now I'll watch this one. That's no good. But when I'm working in the fish room, I want nice long hour, two hour long live streams and videos so I can just play them while I'm working in here. And Candy's got that going on for me. So I appreciate that. Fishhead, um, do half beaks need salt in your opinion? I've seen it done both ways, Fishhead. And the ones I have are in full fresh water and they're doing great. There's no signs of osmotic stress. Um, and in the wild, they come from both environments. They come from some populations are in brackish, some are in full fresh. So in my opinion, they don't need it. And if they're doing well in my soft water for this long, then I think they'll do well in most people's water, pure fresh, at least the ones I have in. And the platinum ones are a variation that are bred in captivity. So the odds are that they're probably not... Uh, in captivity, kept in brackish water. They're probably kept in fresh water. It's just easier. Now, I could be wrong. There are fish breeding facilities that 
our coastal and that, you know, bring in salt and stuff like that. But um, they're doing great in my tanks and I have such soft water that I think they'll do well in pretty much anyone's tanks, barring maybe someone that has really acidic water or something like that. So fish head, that's been my experience with them. And in the past, I've seen them kept in freshwater many times. So um, yeah, that's my thoughts. All right. Um, thanks everybody. Let's shut this down. What was I doing? I was thinking super chatters. I was, thank you to the mods. Thanks to everyone that participated, commented, helped people out if they had a question or comment or, um, had a question or comment for me so we could keep it lively and all you lurkers I'm with you. I do it all the time. Anyway, I'll be back next Wednesday at 7 PM mountain time as per usual. Um, until then, thanks for joining with this. It's great fun having you here. And um, I will catch you next Wednesday. Bye-bye.